Are you a current dental student getting ready for the INVDE? For help on how to prepare for the exam, check out our recent YouTube video going over what to use, how to use it, and most importantly, how to ace your board exam. Just search One Mission DMD INBDE on YouTube to be done with this. Look out for the INBDE Bootcamp promo code to save 10% on your subscription. In today's video, I'll be speaking with Dr. Jordan Barnett, who's been working as a dentist for about two years now. He's a member of the class of 2020 from the University of Pacific, and I've actually been following his stuff early on since my early days as a pre-dental student. So in today's episode, we're going to be sitting down with him, getting to know all there is that we need to know as new graduates going into the workforce. Jordan, welcome to the channel. Thank you so much, Tehom, uh, or Dr. Saud, as I'm going to have to get used to. Uh, it's a joy to be here, and uh, thank you for everyone who's you know giving their time generously to us to listen to the things we're going to be talking about. Absolutely. As you just said, you're going to get used to calling me that. I don't even know how I'm going to get over myself getting used to that title, but I'm going to do my best to get used to it eventually, I guess. Well, I'll tell you what. If you work a day in private practice, which I know you will very soon, whether it feels like it's soon or not, you're going to be hearing that from 30, 40, 50 different people, including your team and including your patients. And you're going to be a very popular guy around the office. So don't worry. It does ease itself in after a while. And uh, it's a lot better than student. I can tell you that. So amen. <laughs> Looking forward to that day, man. So Jordan, tell us a little bit about yourself. What got you into dentistry and kind of where you're at today? Yeah, so I mean, uh, mine's pretty straightforward. Uh, I had braces uh, when I was 15, 15 to 17, got them off. Yeah, I got my braces on two weeks before high school started, before freshman year, awesome. And then I got them off midway through my junior year. And my orthodontist was awesome, he was great. And I asked him if I could shadow him, you know, and watch him, you know, throughout his day in high school, actually. And he was in skateboarding, I was in skateboarding, and I was like, oh, this is it. Like, I want to be an orthodontist. Do not call me a dentist. They're different. I want to be an orthodontist because that's way cooler, right? Uh, and I think that just, that's that's better. And then so I knew I wanted to do that in high school. And then, yeah, I, uh, I had conviction with it. I've never thought anything else for me uh, since I was 15. And uh, it's it's amazing. So I'm really happy you know, that it all worked out. And I found later down the road volunteering uh, in Fresno, where I where I live now, I'm back in my hometown, uh, I found that this is a very underserved area. And because of, you know, all the volunteering and things like that that you're doing as a good pre-dental student, right, trying to, you know, rack up your dental school application the best you can, uh, I got to really see the need of just dentistry in general. And not only that, I got to understand a little bit more about the dental marketplace because again, I was shadowing and I was, I've was i always been really interested in business. And I just saw that, you know what, I think for what a general dentist has to do, I think that matches up a lot better with who I am personality-wise and things like that. So yeah, and I, I mean, I had a great childhood dentist, uh, you know, that um, 
I knew that I was like, oh, okay, I want to take over his practice because that just sounds cool to be a patient and then now the new owner or doctor that worked there. And that was my first job, actually. So, um, yeah, I've loved what <laughs> I loved dentistry for a long time and I got a lot of experience prior to working in dentistry in the dental marketplace and how dental offices worked. And so now I am an associate doctor at three offices currently, Monday through Friday, and then uh, actually condensing that down to two of them in October. So uh, with one of which is I'm pract or looking to partner and become part owner or then eventually own the whole thing. So uh, it's a, it's, it's, I can tell you that dentistry is everything you thought it was times 10 and it is so much more awesome than, I don't know. Uh, it's amazing. And God is, God is good. So happy. Absolutely. Dude, that's so good to hear from someone kind of going through the process right now, like as for their first time. So I know I'm just going to be learning a lot from you in this episode. I don't care who watches this video, who does it. I know I'm going to be learning a lot from you. So thank you so much again. Sure. Well, I'll tell you what, too. And this is what I tell all my mentors, too, is like, look, like I'm really good at learning from my mistakes, but I'm also great at learning from others' mistakes. And just in the spirit of treat others how you want to be treated, I'll tell you all the things that I think that I did right. And I'll tell you all the things that just fell flat on my face because I have, you know, that's what we're all about is learning from each other. So happy to go through all of it. Perfect. So I think you mentioned uh, three places currently you're looking down to go down to two. So how does that work? Does that mean you're considered part time at both or three of these locations or how does that work exactly? So you're right. So there's. I can say one thing, and I'm assuming for at UOP, our last quarter of school, it's three-year school, and that's 12 quarters, right? And in our 12th quarter, we took a jurisprudence uh, class, which basically is to kind of help with the law and ethics exam. We did talk about a little bit of employment law and what a W-2 worker is. That means you're an employee, a W-2 worker. That means you're taxed, right? And then there's an independent contractor, and then that's a 1099. The W-2 and 1099, those correspond to um, forms that you fill out when you pay taxes. So that's important because legally you are determined uh, one or the other, and that has large financial implications to that. And if you're like me and you had loans that you borrowed, you know, I borrowed maximum loans to go to school, that's extremely important to be looking um, how you're compensated. So yes, for me, I am a W-2 at two of the three places, uh, and then I'm a 1099 at the other. And I do work in a fourth practice, and that's emergencies only, and I'm a 1099 on those, and they're very, very, very few and far between. It's very complex, and I can tell you that I'm not a employment law expert, but um, yes, that's something to definitely get to know, and I'm not going to use today's episode to try to explain the differences, but um, I, I work as an associate at all of the of the places that I am. I'm the junior dentist to one or two senior dentists to me, and it is amazing uh, to say in short. I've learned so much in a year's time. I, it's it's nuts. So, so what's your kind of typical day or like work routine like? Like how many hours are you at at all those places? Sure. So, uh, and again, I work at these three places Monday through Friday. And then the other one, like I said, I don't really work in, I just do emergencies. So I'll be one patient over the weekend, um, or something like that. So of the three that I'm at Monday through Friday, uh, I have two columns usually that I run. And what I mean by that is you're not on Axiom anymore, which no one misses. <laughs> right. And so thank God. Yeah. Yeah. I hate yeah. That. And, uh, so what you're going to be running most, I mean, 
The majority of offices in 2021 have some type of dental software all throughout their office. So usually de like Dentrix is a big name. There's Eaglesoft. There's a lot of different um, different various uh, softwares that you can use um, in the context of the dental office. And so in mine, we use Dentrix and mostly, even though they're all different, they're pretty much the same in that it looks like an Excel spreadsheet, your schedule does at least. So imagine what an Excel spreadsheet looks like and it's color coded to determine the different providers. So senior dentist is purple, you are blue, something like that, right? And what it'll do is when we look at the way I've scheduled all of my appointments, all right, is, or, and I've talked to, you know, and usually as an associate, you're going to do whatever the owner is doing. So great. Whatever software they have in place is currently working for them. And, um, I have my main, what's called production column. So in that production column, it's, you know, patients back to back. So to your question about when I'm usually eight to five, um, Monday through Friday, and the way it'll work is I'll have my production column where patients are little rectangles, right? And they're stacked on each other. So I have my production column, which is crowns, fillings, the actual dentistry, dentistry, right? And then I have a second column and that's more like an accessory column. So that'll be like for, let's say we prepped a crown and now we're going to seat the crown. So that'll be a seat or, oh, hey, Joe, you know, has an emergency. We're going to see him at this time. Uh, we're going to see Tehom, you know, because he wants you to check this bump on his lip. Okay, great. You know, especially because I'm a general dentist. So you do, in fact, see a wide array of things. You know, people are like, I don't know if this is relevant, but I was bought, I was worried about it. So I'm here. Great. You know, and I can tell you those are my favorite types of patients because, hey, yeah, if it hurts, tell, call the guy who specializes in the mouth. Right. So that's how my day is, is looks like from uh, to eight to five. Jordan, talk to me about what because you know it seems like you're very goal oriented and you have a goal when it comes to your career so how soon in your dental school like education did you kind of figure out what your goals would be and kind of what avenues of dentistry you wanted to partake in sure um everyone you know that's in dentistry wants to work with their hands and they love the combination of science and art and i'm totally all those cliche things too like amen 100 percent. but also i really liked business so i knew from even before i wanted to do dentistry i wanted to own a business i thought that was really cool i really admired people who did that and uh, i had the opportunity to do that in college i had a private tutoring company and it was difficult and it is not nearly as glamorous as hashtag entrepreneur on instagram looks uh it's tough and it's it's difficult and uh, at the same time there's a lot of uh respect and you know, and good things that can come out of it, I think. And it's amazing. So I knew I wanted to be a private practice owner. Like I said, at first I wanted to be an orthodontist. So I want to take over my orthodontist's office. Um, it's funny now, like I refer to him quite a bit. So uh, small, it's really cool. It's amazing. Um, and then, uh, so I wanted the business. And then again, I went to general and I was like, okay, great. I want to own a private practice. Um, for a long time, I was really, really solely like, okay, it has to be sole owner. You know, I want to do this. And then I don't know, that's what associateships are great for, uh, is also, I knew I wanted to be a business owner. I was upfront with all of my bosses whenever talking about, you know, potential uh, employment or, um, you know, like an actual interview, I would tell them like, look, I'm really interested in mentorship. I want to be mentored as well as I really have big aspirations of being a practice owner. You're a practice owner and I have a lot of admiration and respect for that. And so congratulations on your success. And this is awesome that you're successful enough to potentially look at bringing me on to have that patient flow. That's incredible. Right. And on top of that, it's 
I want to be a practice owner. So like, I really want to be mentored on the practice ownership side too, um, which is a really interesting and fun way of thinking about dentistry. Um, and I, I think a lot of people get into dentistry, they get into DSOs because no, I don't want anything to do with business. I just want to do the dentistry. But the fact of the matter is it's a financial transaction when you're doing a healthcare treatment on someone, right? And how that compensation goes, especially if you find yourself like myself in debt, right? There needs to be an understanding of how materials are appropriated, right? The schedule that you run, you run on a time schedule. You need to be, you know, thinking about people's times and always how to get better, right? How do you improve the dentistry that you're doing? And uh, so private practice ownership was, again, like I said, everything that I wanted. And I've worked with some amazing, amazing, amazing mentors and I've learned a lot. So huge fan of that. And yes, private practice ownership soon. And my wife and I are pretty happy to be in the process right now of partnering uh, with one of my bosses uh, who's looking to retire. So it's fun. It's a uh, it's a lot. And I know I'm probably going like way too fast and, you know, uh, but it's just amazing, man. Tehom, so exciting. And finding the right mentor, how can like a new grad kind of go about that to figure that out? Look, who's a good mentor? Anyone can be a good mentor. If they have one quality to them, and that is that they love dentistry. Dentistry is hard, and it is very easy after years and years and years. Tehom, how old are you? I'm 27, man. Okay, I'm 27 as well. Okay, so in the last in the last the, the the five the last year, I've worked for five owner dentists. These are their ages, or not ages, but these are the years of experience. One is 11 year has 11 years of experience. One has 25, one has 28, the other has four, the other has 42. What I'm saying is that's a lot of different levels of experience and things like that. And so it's interesting to see where they are in their pathway to competence. But I can tell you that, man, I've gotten amazing mentorship from some of them and you know, maybe not so much from others. And I think the one thing that I see in difference to that is I see who really loves doing dentistry. I can tell you that I love it, man. It is a freaking blast. Like I, 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 I mean, I'm wearing my mask all the time, but I would tell you what, like when you see me, like if you were to peel off my mask during a procedure, there would be a smile ear to ear like this because it is so much fun. And not only that, it's tremendous value. I know what it's like being a dental student and looking like, okay, great. I have, uh, oh, I have this patient. She's so hard. And oh, what am I doing for her today? I'm doing, oh, I'm doing records for a denture. Like, right? And that's going to take however long. And I'm going to have to wait for this faculty and take to take a long time. Look, it's difficult. You're at a dental school. Like, it's not like that in real, the real world, man. It is boom, 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 boom. Right? Like on, you know, my average day at this point is like usually like two crowns, five or six fillings, 10 hygiene exams, and like a couple of emergencies that I've seen. Like that is so many opportunities, so many things, so many different patients that you're interacting with, right? So many decisions that you're making that everything's really quick. And again, you need to have a solid understanding of where you're at. And if you have a mentor that can understand where you're at and be objective with you to say, Tehom, I saw that filling you did. Yikes, that sucked, right? And again, that's able to not attack your character, Right, but under like they have, so they have to love dentistry two ways. They have to love their patients to uh, to make sure that you are doing the best quality work that you can possibly do, and they're also helping you out with that by buying the right materials, 
providing you the right help and support through assistance and a, and a nice team, right? Um, but also being being objective with you and saying, hey, look, man, like, you know what? I noticed on some of your preps that, uh, you know, you're not really rounding that, that line angle so much. And uh, I was watching you prep and you know what? Hey, Tahama, I, I think you should you should really work more from a 12 o'clock versus a, I'm left-handed, so versus a two o'clock. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Thanks, Doc. I really appreciate that. Or like, you know, and look, I tell you what, talk about value to a patient. I know that we have these ideas in dental school, like, oh, when I'm out and I know I said the thing about comp or it's not okay to not or to be incompetent as a dentist but you know what's not you know what's totally warrant not even warranted but actually appreciated by patients like you know what give, give me a second you know and the, the phraseology i started using was say look i would really love Do uh, dr Sui's opinion on this i'm really happy with this but i just wanted him to see what his thoughts are because i'm going to send this to the laboratory and i know he communicates with the laboratory more than i do Great. Then you go over to Doc's like, dude, I can't get this distal legal margin, man. Like, do you think you can take a look and do you think you can help me or watch? Yeah, of course. Tell them. If they don't love dentistry, they're going to be like, oh my God, no, it's annoying. It's annoying. Right. And like, look, and like, we're dentists, dude, we're so type A as a person, right? As a personality type. Think about what you're like, right? When you see someone, you're like, oh, uh, do that faster, right? Or do something different, right? Like imagine that now. Now you you have someone in your office and you don't love what you're doing already and now they're messing up, they're asking for help. And so that's more work for you. No, no one wants that. If you're a someone who loves what they do though, man, you're like, yeah, dude. Yeah, let's go take a look. Dude, my mentor that I'm with, the guy who's 11 years out, man, me and this dude are like best friends, dude. We, uh, I'll be like, hey, doc, can I get you to take a look at something? I'm like, yeah, sure. I did a number seven class four yesterday. And it was, I, it was, I mean, maybe some of my best work that thing was invisible i was so glad i went i went shade a3 because he was a, like a perfect a3 and then i built it up like more than halfway towards the facial right because he's on that again there's a class four so we're all the way to the back and then man i put some omnichroma over that thing because we've been using a lot of omnichroma dude i like i can tell you right now i was like i'm having a hard time finding my margin like this is awesome patient's ecstatic and i'm like hey doc gonna take a look at it and he's like that's awesome and i was like great find one thing you don't like about it and he's like I think you rounded the corner a little bit too hard here. And I was like, oh, let me see. He's like, yeah. And again, he's not saying that in front of the patient. We're like talking about it more because we take pictures, right? Because I'm always trying to get better, man. Like what dentistry is performed. We're performing procedures. You can study to do a perfect three-pointer from the corner. But if you're not Steph Curry and you don't have the ability to produce the mechanics needed every single time robotically to get the same result, then you're not going to be able to be Steph Curry. Right, like, dude, like you're doing fillings, man. You can always get better. You can always get faster. You can always get. And if you're a patient, what do you want? Right? If okay, what would you like to do? <laughs> would you want someone to go faster or slower? Faster. We had a great oral surgeon in our who lectured to us, and he was like, "It's like, yeah, I pulled this lady's tooth, and she was mad. She goes, are you kidding, doc? I just paid you a thousand bucks to do for ninety seconds of work.'" And he goes. Yep, because the guy right across the hall, he charges the same. He takes about 90 minutes to do that. And she goes, oh, my God. And he's like, yep, the 90 seconds is because I've practiced and I've mastered my craft. Have I mastered it yet? Heck no. Anyone after a year that tells you they've mastered it, dude, they're they're not doing enough dentistry or they're having they're getting so much time like they're in dental school that it's like you're not doing that that quickly, right? Like – that summed up like the entire patient viewpoint and the doctor viewpoint in like one sentence the 90 second to a thousand dollar thing you just said oh my gosh that's that's profound <laughs> hey man 
Uh, I, I mean, I mean, but again, think about it, right? Assume both docs did a good job, dude. There you go. I mean, like, I mean, think about it, right? Like, if the crown is prepped well, what do I mean by well? It has a solid, awesome, even margin, no bumps. It's smooth. It has no undercuts. It draws everything. It has the appropriate reduction so that way occlusion will be an issue, right? Let's just say that, right? When you look at a crown prep like that, can you look at it in a mirror and tell me? objectively just by looking at it, right? How long it took the dentist? No, you can't. What if it took him 30 seconds? Then it took him 30 seconds. What if it took him three hours? It took him three hours, right? It has to hit these certain clinical criteria. And once you're able to master those and really understand that and really understand your materials, then you can start dialing in, dialing in, dialing in. Dude, I finished dental school, you know, prepping 11 crowns and I had cemented nine of them, okay? Dude, like my average week, I do 10 crowns. Right. And that's not to say like, oh, I'm Mr. Know-it-all. I'm not like I and I still feel like that's my biggest thing. I'm still working on like, OK, like how do I get how do I reduce my times? Right. And I, I mean, I'm crazy enough to do it. You don't have to be. But it's like I time myself every crown prep. You know, at, at this point, I'm like depends on the tooth, depends on the tongue, you know, all these factors. But like, yeah, like around seven, eight minutes is like solid. Like I'm talking like from the get. Right. So like they're anesthetized and there we go. Um, I know you were speaking about uh, practice owners and having this conversation with them about their success and if they're like getting ready to retire or whatnot. Um, how, how can one who's interested in private practice ownership kind of figure out where what the practice that they're looking for is going to be the ideal practice for them? Uh, so like I said, I'll tell the things that went well and that didn't. Um, the dentist that was my childhood dentist, uh, very successful practice owner the fastest dentist i've ever seen and no it was not too fast where it was sloppy it was maybe some of the most precise hand skills and this guy had wears like a triple extra large glove i don't know how he does it but incredibly incredibly talented um we worked together and we just found that personality wise it was difficult and the volume that we were seeing for the space that we had we found that from a business standpoint it was difficult for the business to carry both himself, right, as myself. And so both him and I made a decision to say, you know what, like, it's been great. Uh, I have nothing but great things to say about you, but I think this is time for us to, you know, uh, to part ways. And we did. And so we were together. So I was there for six months, and it was a tremendous opportunity for me. Um, again, he's a sole practice owner for 25 years. He has 3,000 active patients. And I'll tell you what, when him and I were running, we were sprinting. And he showed me a lot and I learned an incredible amount. But like I said, from a business standpoint, because the idea was that he would sell and then that owner would be me, right? And so that was our idea, you know, from the get. But, you know, with COVID, a lot of things changed. I graduated June of 2020, right? And so it was an exceptionally difficult time. Uh, so like when I graduated, you know, um, I worked because of COVID uh, in March, Right, which for us, I was in the city of San Francisco. So March sixteenth, twenty twenty, that was the Monday of finals week for us. The city of San Francisco announced that they would be shutting down, locking down. I'm from Fresno, which is about three hours from San Francisco, and I was like, okay. And I and I did have a car that I would drive up like every literally every weekend. Um, and so for like the last eighteen months of school, I was in Fresno during the weekend, and then in San Francisco for for dental school, obviously. Um, but long story short, we ended in March and we were still technically in school, which was only online, 
So I basically like was not in school right from March until June when we went back for two weeks to take revs and to like kind of finalize everything out. Um, and so long story short, uh, the guy whose practice that I started in, who again, was my only childhood dentist and all the way up until, you know, dental school, um, he started seeing patients like mid April, he was getting a lot of emergencies and I, him and I had been in talks, uh, throughout like my whole dental school. We really ratcheted up in third year. Uh, that was my senior year. So he said, okay, yeah, I'm going to take this practice. All right. And he's like, okay, yep. You're the guy like, this is great. And you know, we thought it was going to go well. And then COVID changed a lot of things. And I think he's going to stay in dentistry a lot longer than he thought he was going to. Um, you know, and I think that that's a good idea for him. And I think like he does great work and it just wasn't at, it wasn't an opportune time for either of us. Um, you know what I mean? And so that's when I was like, you know what? Like, I don't want to cost this business money because I was on a per diem, which I highly recommend it. We can talk about that in a little bit. Per diem means that every single day you make a set amount. If you produce $0, you get X amount. If you produce 1 million, you're not going to produce a million as a new grad. But if you produce, but if you produce a million, then you still get the same amount of money, right? And so, Anyway, we looked at it and we said, yeah, hey, you know what, this this isn't going to be, um, this doesn't work. And so that's when I went out and I found, um, you know, all my other jobs. And so I've never had a non-compete on a contract. Uh, all the five, literally five practices I've worked in so from, you know, August 2020 to now, right? Yeah, August 2020 to now, just about a year, right? Um, all of those have never, or are within a five mile radius of each other with no non-competes. And that isn't to say like, oh, look at me, look how impressive I am. It's like, no, because there's a lot of things, like, like I said, I think that made sense and that were honorable and respectful. And because a lot of dentists didn't make it throughout COVID. And so at least in our area, there's a lot of patients that are displaced. They don't have a dentist. And unfortunately, because people, you know, with the virus and they weren't able to go out and, you know, um, stay in place orders and things like that, there's a lot of people that just didn't receive care in this last, you know, throughout this whole pandemic. And so you're having a lot of tooth related illnesses just exacerbate themselves into where they say, you know what, I need to come in and see you now. So it's a, it was a time of a lot of movement and variety that was there and I was keen to that as someone who's from here. And again, I had a good network of dentists and I knew who was getting really, really busy, right? And who wasn't, you know what I mean? And so from doing that, I was able to position myself well uh, into getting these positions. But yeah, it's um, it's worked out well. So what kinds of dental students in your estimation should consider private practice and who do you think shouldn't? And would you say it's wise for a dental student that's about to get into the workforce to look into their private practice, like straight out of dental school? Like talk to me about that. Sure. Uh, yeah. So for me, like I said, I knew exactly what I wanted to do and I've been gunning for that. So I was a gunner, not in school, like the gunner, school gunner, believe me, I was the opposite of that. Um, yeah. But what I mean, I was like, I knew exactly what I wanted. And so, yeah, I didn't, I didn't waste any time thinking about other things, uh, because that's what I wanted to do. Um, so for me, this is what I think. And again, this is a Jordan-ism. Jordan-isms aren't based in fact. These are just my own observations of the world. So take it as you may. Uh, I just want all of us to be happy. Um, I think that private practice is fast, right? It is a business and it makes money. And 
close your eyes and think about if you were a patient. There's cheaper options to go to to get what they think is the same crown, right? And if you want it done, you know, at a, and you want the best, what are you looking for? Are you looking for speed? You're a busy person and you don't have time to be in the chair, right? Or are you looking for quality? Oh my God, when you do the shade on my number two, you better get the gingival shade and the incisal shade. And I really have this blending, this care. It's like, okay, wow, well then maybe, I'm not sure if we can do that here, right? So there's different types in the dental marketplace and you need to find what makes sense for you. For me, I feel like in private practice, again, right, it's competitive. And what I mean by that is, what are ways to compete? If you're both in PPO, you're both meaning like Office A and doc, Office B. Let's say doc, Dr. Saud and Dr. Barnett right next door to each other, right? If you're a patient, right, and time is important to you, well, like you heard, oh, this guy, this guy's pretty quick. Maybe that's something that you can be known for, right? Oh, this guy's really good at X, right? Like I, you know, I have a friend who got veneers and I want veneers. And so this is what this guy does. And dentistry is very small too. Even though I live in a place with a million people, um, there's only like 900 or so dentists and pretty much everyone knows everyone. So it's really good to know like, oh, who's good at what? And again, if you're not in an overpopulated area, or I mean, if you're not in a place where there's too many dentists, or the, what is the ratio of like patients to dentists or whatever? So population, the ratio is dentists to the general population in that area, right? And so I'm from a place that's not competitive on that standpoint because we are underserved, right? And so there's a lot of things to do. But back to your question, I think who is good for it? You need to communicate. You need to communicate, communicate, communicate. If you had to pick between me and Dr. Saud, right? You want to feel comfortable, right? Like, yeah, sure. Like, you guys both do crowns. But it's like, you know what? Dr. Barnett, he's a jerk, man. And Dr. Tehom, he's, uh, he's just, he's so nice and he's good looking. Like, yeah, I want to go to him, right? And so what it is is, is I don't want to say competitive. And there are some people that are tough and maybe, you know, aren't above board. But I think someone who's confident, someone who can understand that this is a service. We are in the service industry. We are delivering healthcare treatments that, and we specialize in doing those for procedures that are related to, you know, oral maxifacial injury, pain, disease, things like that, right? That's, that's what we do in its essence, right? And so I think the person who it's made for is people who can understand and, and appreciate business because that's super important, right? Uh, it's a private, small, it's a very small business that operates. And if businesses are not run well, then they lose money and businesses that lose money no longer our businesses. So that's important. Um, I think people who, yeah, I mean, who can communicate? I think uh, communication is ideal. It's solid. This is a reputation that you're building the practice on. Think about that, right? Like, like that's a really big thing. And so, and I mean, these are, these are generic principles for DSOs, for, um, you know, for other types of places that provide dentistry, right? Uh, in the dental marketplace, there's different types, right? And I think these are important factors for everything, but private practice is, yeah, like, you know, you gotta, you gotta know that this is what you want to do and you have to not have an ego, man, especially if you're coming out of school. Like, uh, I get my haircut once a week and why I like it, right? Uh, and that's just a fun thing for me to do. Um, and, but what I'm saying is like, I do it because I want to, you know, I'm a little bit different and I look young, man. I look 27 years old. And the point I'm saying about the haircut, and here's the thing about the haircut. This is why I brought it in too. It's like, okay, 
Uh, I see my barber once a week. Me and this guy have a literal Google Calendar date, standing date, right, when I go see him. What I'm saying is if I walked into my barber and then he's like, oh, dude, I know your appointment's at two, but, like, dude, I'm going to have to have the barber next to me cut my hair. I'm going to be like, one, no, he's not, and two, dude, you didn't even tell me. Like, what? Right. Like, you know, and so now imagine it's like, okay, now I need to go get a scary dental procedure done. And then I get there and my dentist who I've seen for 20 years, right. He's going to see me. Then he's like, oh, actually he took the day off and it's going to be this new guy who looks 12 years old. And it's like, yeah, you, believe me, these patients, right. Like I said, who are maybe a little bit more concierge go, um, no, he's not like I've walked in and say, I say, oh, you know, um, you know, hygiene exam. Okay. Here's Dr. Barney. He's going to take a look. Right. And then I'm walking behind because, you know, the chairs like face like outward. Right. And so they can't see me. And I turn around this lady. This lady looks at me and she goes, yeah, you're way too young. You're not working on me. And so, yeah. And it's like, wow. But then again, this is what I told her. I said, look, I totally get it. I'm so sorry if maybe that wasn't communicated to you. And I tell them exactly what I say about the haircut. I was like, look, I get it. No problem. Like this is your mouth. This is your body. Patient autonomy is number one for me. Patient autonomy is the idea that you as the patient and only you if you're mentally competent, which you, the doctor, have to decide that, right? Most people are, right? Meaning that they're able to um, make medical decisions for themselves, right? Um, yeah, if they don't want me, then like, totally. I, I, I totally understand, 100%, right? And all I do is like, hey, how about, you know, we're here for the hygiene exam. I, I don't need to do the work. If it's okay with you, I can just take a peek and we can discuss x-rays and maybe I can answer some questions in the meantime, right? And sure enough, I've had many patients do that and say, you know what? Okay. I appreciate the way that you did that, Dr. Barnett. I don't want you to do the crown on number, what'd you call it? 12. But you know, so because I want the owner, Dr. Saeed to do that, but you know what? I really like that. That That's really nice. Great. Absolutely. So, because what I hear now is I hear that Mrs. Jones, who needs a number 12 crown because I just evaluated it and there's extensive decay around her MOD amalgam and looking at the x-ray, I believe that a full coverage crown is the best course of treatment, right? She now is getting what I believe to be a very good option, long-term solution, right, to fixing the you know, recurrent decay around the MOD amalgam by getting a crown. And you know what? And she's comfortable doing it with my boss. No problem at all. No problem at all. Because now my practice just got, right, just did well. We just scheduled a crown, right? And of course, you can see where the poor ethics come in. And yes, you're going to see a lot of general, you know, there's, you know, hey, unfortunately, bad people can become dentists. It's it's a real thing. And it sucks. And it, it's disgusting. And I mean, I don't think anyone enjoys that, right? Uh, I'm definitely not a fan of that. But what I'm saying is, yeah, uh, there's a lot of people that can make poor decisions and they can use, I don't know, there's a lot of justification gymnastics that can happen too. And, you know, of course, at the end of the day, it's Dr. Sayud's license, right? That, and he is the doctor. He's the treating doctor in whatever scenario. And if he thinks that, you know what? Nope, I'm not going to do that. And then good for you, good for the patient, right? Like you're you're working independently and I can tell you that any place that you're considering working, if they're not understanding that any patient that you see is under the guise of your state issued license and that they want you to do things you're not comfortable with, like one, they clearly don't care about you, the associate, I don't wanna work at a place that they don't care about me, or two, right? They don't care about their patients at all, right? They're just cattle that with dollar signs attached to their heads and that's not good either, right? And so, it's a, uh, and again, hey, look, they're out there and, you know, I, I 
to those that are out there, I hope that their patients are okay. Don't know, not there, right? All I know is that I can do, I can control the things that I can control. And any patient that I'm in the chair with as their doctor, <coughs> excuse me, I'm gonna be objective about what I see. I'm gonna accurately diagnose to the best of my abilities and any dentistry that they believe is a good choice for them, right? Then great, I'm more than happy to provide that treatment that I recommended. And if they say, you know what, I'm gonna wait, is it ideal? No, all right, Miss Jones, no, I completely understand. Um, you know what, this is, I, I, you know, I get it, again, for me, that's my professional recommendation, you know, but if we don't do it, hey, you've probably had that amalgam for 30 years, right? We'll see how it does. I see you every six months. Like, you know, if it's okay with you, I need an x-ray of that because I really want to see how that thing's progressing. Um, and you know what? And hey, if anything happens to it, these can break or things like that, you let me know, right? And and, and I, look, I'm, I'm more than happy to, you know, to, um, you know, do what I can to see how long it goes. I just, as your dentist, I can't say, I can't give a timeline on how long that'll be right? Um, there's a, There needs to be a recognition too that you need to be able to stand, if you're going to be in private practice, like you need to be able to stand on your name, not on the name of a corporate, not on the name of an FQHC, which is, again, that's great dentistry as far as I'm concerned. There's amazing clinicians that are in all different levels, but private practice, it's, an, it's, it's your specific name or group's name. And that's an important distinction, I think, that needs to be understood. And so that's why you do see you know, some of the most expensive dentistry out of private practices, and maybe they are using the best materials. That's one thing that you don't get to see in dental schools. You don't pick your materials. You have one composite, that composite, right? You don't pick the, you don't pick the labs that you work with. You don't pick all these different things. And so there's a lot more decisions that can be made, right? And these are small business decisions, decisions, but they have large lasting effects on your patients and the success or failure of the work that you um, that you provide. And so and remember too, one last distinction I'll give you and just for everyone that's watching, like as a dental student, and again, I am so glad it's over. I'm tremendously grateful to the University of Pacific Arthur A. Dugoni School of Dentistry, which I thought was an amazing, amazing um, educational experience. And I'm tremendously grateful that I feel that I'm I can competently provide as a safe beginner to my community, which is what I always wanted to do. Um, but, you know, there needs to be an understanding that there is a large learning gap and yes it's school it's different in school than it is in the real world and so making the decisions that you have to make and being able to say you know what i think i was wrong you know what i mean and being honest with patients i think is something that if you're not able to do especially on your own name you need to recognize that and that is a far different level and in school one thing that you have Tayham right now is you can provide dental procedures as a third year. By the way, that's awesome. Welcome to clinic, dude. It's so cool to be finally doing it, right? But yes, you're providing these treatments, but because you have student attached to your name, it is not only okay, but understood and appreciated by your patient that you are knowingly incompetent or at least have not shown the level of competence required to independently perform dental treatments. Think about that. That's important. Whereas in the real world, remember, dentists are the number one sued professional in all professions. So there isn't an ability to be like, oof, yeah, I don't know, Mrs. Jones. I think I, oof, you see that? Let me take a picture. You see that red dot? Yeah, that's the pulp. Oh, do you know what the pulp is? Oh, yeah, that's where the nerve is. Oh, what does that mean? Yeah, you need a root canal. Wait, I thought I needed a filling. Yeah, no, you need a root canal. Of course they're sued. If they're poor communicators, and yeah, people are going to be mad at you. 
And believe me, no one feels bad for the dentist. Incompetence is not okay. But then you might ask, well, hang on, you're a new grad. How are you, comp how are you competent? Well, you get really, really, really dead honest with yourself and say, what can I do competently? And what can I not? And that's where, like we talked about, a mentorship is extremely important. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to give us an honest review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Be sure to check out our prior episodes in our segments termed PDS, Pursuing Dental School, CDS, Current Dental Students, LFD, Learn from Dentists, and TRW, The Real World. Thank you so much. Catch you on the next one. Peace.